When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. I'm really, really looking forward to covering everything you need to know about the speeches at your wedding reception. At the very end of the show, we're also going to cover first dances. So stick around for that. But before we get there, I want to talk in great detail all about the speeches at your wedding. We're going to go ahead and get right into it. So first off, let's talk about who traditionally gives a speech at the wedding reception. Now, Of course, this is all completely subjective and always completely up to you to be creative, to do revisions, to fit this to whatever works best for your situation. But very generally speaking, here's a list of some of the toasts that you can kind of expect at a wedding that you're going to and of course at your own wedding. So use this blueprint as you will. Typically, the welcome speech or toast, I'm kind of using speech and toast interchangeably, so whatever you would like to refer to it as is totally fine. The welcome speech or toast will typically be given by the parents. Now, which parents do what is entirely up to you. I'm going to combine the welcome speech with blessing the meal. So if you are doing any sort of religious blessing of your wedding dinner or brunch or whatever meal you're serving, um, then that can be done by the other set of parents. Okay, see, I'm already getting excited and I'm already getting ahead of myself. So let me pause here. The welcome speech and blessing the meal, in my humble opinion, is a really easy way. If you want to have both sets of your parents do some form of speech, that's a really easy way to divvy that up. So one set does the welcome, one set does the blessing. I'm using this as a blueprint out of complete bias because this is how I did this with my husband John at our own wedding and it worked out so well. It gave everyone an opportunity to welcome and thank the guests for being there and it just was very natural for my dad to do the welcome and John's dad did the blessing of the meal. Now, of course, if you have a religious celebrant or officiant who is presiding over your wedding ceremony and they will be at the meal, then that person would likely be doing the blessing. So, Again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, none of this is going to be a one-size-fits-all. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt and definitely make revisions so that it fits your specific situation. So very generally speaking, welcome speech, parents, blessing the meal, other parents, or religious officiant. If you want both parents to do a welcome speech separately, that's totally fine too. After the welcome speech and the meal blessing, the next speech or toast that would typically happen would be from your best man and or maid of honor. 
and or anyone who is performing those sorts of duties for you. So if you have not specifically named anyone best man or maid of honor, maybe there is someone who is heads up above the rest, just very so important to you, and you would like them to say a few words at the reception. So this would be the place for someone really special in your life to say a few words. And then after best man and maid of honor, you will sometimes have the newlyweds go ahead and do a speech slash toast. And the focal point of the newlyweds, so you and your new husband or wife, the point of this is really going to be centered on saying a very heartfelt thank you to all of your guests for being there. And the two of you getting a chance to address your closest family and friends as the first for the very first time ever as husband and wife, husband and husband, wife and wife, just a chance for the two of you to stand up and greet your guests and say thank you. With that very general overview, we're going to keep digging deeper. So bear with me a quick word before we get too much further along. I do want to reiterate, I mentioned it in passing before, but I want to reiterate, do you. Everyone's situation, everyone's relationships and circumstances with your family and your friends is so very different. And I respect that and I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. So please, by all means, when I'm giving examples and I'm giving you situations to maybe use as a blueprint, please understand that I want you to make the right decisions for you and your wedding. So by all means, make alterations to today's show to fit your special situation. And that definitely does not stop with the toast and the speeches or whatever you want to call them. That goes for anything and everything about your wedding day and everything I talk about here on the podcast. And with that, let's move on to letting people know that you would like them to say a few words at the wedding reception and the importance of that. Don't assume that even your parents, don't assume that they will know that you expect them to stand up and give a speech at the wedding reception. An absolute nightmare for somebody who is introverted or shy would be to get to the actual wedding day when nerves are high and tension is high and everything is just kind of stressful and people are feeling maybe a little bit nervous and on edge and excited and all of these things at the same time to spring on someone in that moment that, oh, by the way, dad, would you mind doing the blessing over the wedding meal? (laughs) That is not the time to pop that question. Um, So definitely be sure that your parents, your best man, your maid of honor, be sure that all of these people know well ahead of time that you would be honored if they would give a speech and say a few words. Every single wedding is different and this might be totally new to somebody involved in your wedding. So they may have zero expectation or have never seen a speech given at a wedding by the maid of honor. They may totally be blindsided by that if it's if it's held up until the last minute. So by all means, let anyone know a month or even two months in advance so that there aren't any surprises on the wedding day. Like I mentioned, there probably will be some surprises on the wedding day. So let's try to kind of control what we can control and let those people know ahead of time that you would like them to share a few words so that they can be really prepared. 
And with that, okay, so we've chosen who you want to speak. You have asked them ahead of time if they would do the honor. The next thing I'd like to review and go over together, um, should you give direction to the people you're asking to speak? Should you lay out to them um, a topic that you would like them to cover, the tone of the speech that you would like to see? So do you want it to be a tearjerker? You want it to be funny? And then should you dictate the length of the speech? So the three things here, we're going to talk about the topic, the tone, and the length of the speech. Let's say here to start that the whole point of a wedding speech in general is for somebody who is exceptionally close to you and important to your life, for them to get up and give a really candid, really heartfelt and really meaningful reflection of your love as a couple from their eyes. So the goal here should be to make everyone in the room smile, laugh, feel the love, maybe shed a tear or two. In terms of how involved you should get in the creation of that speech, this is going to be pretty specific to your relationships and the personalities of the people who you're asking to speak. Let's start with the topic. Should you let your dad know that you really would like him to cover how your fiance proposed to you? So you really want him to include that story. This is a maybe again, and I'm sorry to give a wishy-washy answer, but it, it does depend on the personality of the person you're asking. So maybe give them room and give them the freedom to use their creativity and again to really speak from their heart. If they are really stuck and really having a hard time coming up with something to say, this is something that you can communicate back and forth a couple of times like, hey, have you got, are you feeling good about the speech? Do you need to run any ideas by us? Do you want any inspiration? You know, kind of check in and feel it out from there. If someone is really, really stuck and you are, <laughs> you're kind of feeling concerned about like, gosh, what what is this person actually going to say when they stand up and they're a deer in the headlights in front of 200 of our closest family and friends? If that's making you a little bit nervous, here's a sneaky little trick that you can do. So they're stuck. Do a, a Google search for an article that you find and you really like on creating a wedding speech. So go ahead, go to Google, say, how do I write a wedding speech? Look at a few articles and find one that you really like. It really speaks to you. It's straightforward. It's very tactical. It's very simple. And then share that article that you like with the person who's stuck. Why is this sneaky? <laughs> because this lets you kind of be involved in the creation of the speech, but you're still giving them the freedom to actually write the speech. So the example that comes to my mind is, let's say your best man is stuck on the speech. He's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. So let's say he sits down at his computer and says, okay, I'm going to Google speech for frat brother wedding toast. And then your best man 
finds 12 of the most hilarious wedding toasts ever made on a site like BuzzFeed. And then he builds his entire speech around these, quote, hilarious wedding speeches that he found in an article after he searched Google for frat brother wedding toast. All right. Are you with me? Now, compare and contrast that situation with what I mentioned a minute ago. Find find him an article that speaks to you and is normal and is going to guide him in writing a, I use normal loosely, but if you want like more of a buttoned up kind of conservative tearjerker, maybe a laugh or two here and there, but not like a frat brother comedy speech. This lets you kind of slip that into him without completely dictating the entire speech. I hope that makes sense. I just think it's a really tactful way of kind of having a hand, but not really, if that, if you get it. Okay, moving on, topic, maybe. The tone of the speech. So this is exactly what I was just talking about. Do you want the speeches to be hilarious? Are you guys all jokesters and goofballs and you go way back and you've shared a million funny laughs as most of us, many of us have? Do you want the speeches to have everyone in the room just completely cracking up? Or do you want the speeches to be more conservative, more buttoned down? These are two very different things. So as far as the tone of the speech, that's a maybe too. And I'm going to go into this more in a minute. So bookmark the tone of the speech and we'll cover it again in just a second. I want to move on really quickly to length. Should you give direction to the people giving the speeches on how long the speech should be? This one, yay, is a definitive yes. I definitely think that you should instruct your people speaking on keeping it brief and create a set time limit for their speech. My recommendation, and this is very general, and please feel free to modify, my recommendation is suggesting that they practice and aim for three minutes max. Now, three minutes doesn't sound like a lot of time, but when you are the one standing up and talking for three minutes straight, it's a really long time. Three minutes of conversation back and forth with one or two other people, that's a blink of an eye. But three minutes of you talking in front of a room, that's a long speech. And then keep in mind that you're going to multiply that by four, five, six people, however many people you've asked to get up and say something. So now you're looking when you multiply three minutes times six people, and trust me, they're someone is going to go over three minutes. Now you're looking at at least a 20 minute block of time where people are in their seats and just sitting and listening to speeches, which is totally fine. But you don't want people going out and running and creating 10 minute long speeches and going in detail about every single memory they have with you from third grade all the way until today. So do instruct your people on the length of the speech. Again, I recommend as the most general baseline, three minutes is a great target to hit. If a few go over, no big deal. If someone wants to get up for one minute and that's all they can muster, that is totally fine too. All right, let's chat about something close to my heart. 
We often prioritize wedding photography and for a good reason. But here's a thought. Videography is just as, if not more pivotal. Why? While photos freeze a moment, videos capture the ambiance, the laughter, the music, and those spontaneous fleeting emotions. Enter shutter and sound films. Their work isn't just videography, it's cinematic artistry. Relive the tremble in your partner's voice, the joyous applause, or that unexpected dance move during your reception. It's all there woven into a high-end film that's uniquely yours. And for those wondering about locations, they've got 14 major U.S. cities covered, including spots like Boston, New York, L.A., and D.C. Plus, they're all about adventure and are more than willing to travel for your big day. So as you plan, remember, photos frame moments, but videos, they let you step back inside them. Check out Shutter and Sound Films at shutterandsound.com and let your wedding day be a cinematic masterpiece you'll revisit time and time again. Susan's Travel Services is so excited to partner with you to plan your honeymoon, destination wedding, or maybe even your bachelor or bachelorette party. Susan and her team have been planning dream vacations for 27 years, and they are truly the best in the business for start-to-finish planning services. Travel and new experiences are incredibly special to me, and Susan and her team have helped me plan some unforgettable vacations, including a bachelorette party in Cabo and a family anniversary celebration in Cancun. They meticulously researched the best all-inclusive options for us based on some very specific priorities and the professional assistance in choosing location, resort, activities, and transportation was absolutely priceless. Susan has been in the travel business for 27 years and she personally travels to her recommended destinations all the time. So she has firsthand on the ground experience with all the amazing resorts, excursions, and services that she recommends. From all-inclusive resorts in Mexico and the Caribbean, overwater bungalows in the Maldives, or that African safari that you've always dreamed of, save yourself hours of research and guesswork and let Susan and her team find you the best options for a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Reach out to Susan and her team today by emailing info at susanstravelservices.com and be sure to let her know that I sent you and get $50 off your final booking or $200 off your destination wedding. Her email one more time is info at susanstravelservices.com. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. We have already covered a lot. Quick recap. Who gives a speech at the reception? 
How do you let people know? How do you give them some notice so that there are no deers and headlights on the wedding day? And should you give direction to your speakers about the topic of their speech, the tone of their speech, and the length of their speech? And with that, we are going to get right into timing. When exactly during the reception should all of these speeches occur? First thing to note here is you need to and you should really use your DJ or whoever is making announcements on on the wedding day at the reception. Lean on that person big time to highlight exactly what's going on throughout the day or the night so that your guests know exactly where to be and where to focus their attention at all times. It is so easy to miss out on many events and traditions. For example, the cake cutting, the bouquet toss, and the speeches. If there's not someone specifically designated to be announcing and outlining the evening and really letting your guests know what's going on at any given time. This is especially important if you're using a big reception hall and you have hundreds of guests out there having fun, having their own conversations. You've got people at the bar. You've got people at a photo booth. You've got people dancing. You've got people over here at a dessert bar. Everybody should know at all times if something important like the cake cutting or the bouquet toss is going on. This goes for the entire reception in general, not just the speeches, but I did want to mention it because it is so important that you are utilizing your announcer whether it's a DJ, whether it's a close friend with a microphone, whoever it is, use them and make sure that they are dictating what is going on so that everybody is in the loop about when and where to, again, focus their attention. That was kind of a bonus tip, but it segues right into when the speeches should occur. So when should your DJ or your announcer let people know that they need to be seated and that speeches are going to be happening? Dinner when the meal is coming out is a really natural time to do this because everybody is going to be seated in the same spot and paying attention. So everyone has their food. Everyone is sitting down or standing up at belly bars or whatever they're doing. Everyone's together. Have your DJ make an announcement that the speeches are going to happen. And here is my, very generally speaking, my recommended order for everything to go. Your parents... If you're having your parents do a welcome speech, I would suggest that they go first. So everyone is seated. Now, here's where we're going to get a little bit into like, quote unquote, tradition. So take it or leave it. I'm just going to rattle off some traditional suggestions just so you have it if this applies to you. The host of the wedding should go first. So if one set of your parents has significantly contributed to the wedding as the host. So in a monetary way, they out of respect, again, this is just traditionally speaking, that set of parents would speak first. If your parents have split financial help and they have both contributed to the wedding, honestly, it's arbitrary. It's completely up to you. In my opinion, I would not be offended over the order of, oh, well, they got to go first and we have to go second. You know, I don't, I don't know if you have relatives or people close to you who you feel like that would be a big thing. Make adjustments accordingly. Um, 
I don't know. I'm a very easygoing person, so that would never even cross my mind. But take your relationships and take your situation and make adjustments as appropriate. Like I said, towards the beginning of the show, I would suggest having one set of your parents do a general welcome speech, and then the second set of parents can do the blessing of the meal. Again, if a religious celebrant is there and doing the blessing, then go ahead, split the parents. One can do the welcome before the blessing, and then the other set can do another speech, another welcome speech. Thank you for being here. They can say that after the blessing. They can say that after the first set of parents. However you want to work that out, just get them both spoken and (laughs) out of the way. Kind of seize this as your opportunity to have your sets of parents say their words. And then we'll move on to the best man and or maid of honor. If you're not giving out those titles, anyone close to you who you would like to have stand up and say a few words, they would go after your parents. And then the final set of people speaking, if you choose to do so, would be you and your partner. So the newlyweds can say some words of thanks and a heartfelt thank you to everybody for being here. This does not have to be long. It does not have to be involved. But a simple acknowledgement and a thank you is very, very respectful and appreciated and meaningful to everybody involved. So I would encourage you to do that. But again, if you're stage, if you have stage fright, if you're shy, if that just gives you complete trembles, then by all means, skip it. Do you do whatever feels most comfortable for you and your partner. And a word on that newlywed welcome, if you're feeling like having both sets of parents and or a blessing of the meal and best man, and or maid of honor, if you're feeling like that's just too much talking in one block, um, I would suggest that as the newlyweds, as that thank you, you can go ahead and move that down to the cake cutting. If you're cutting your cake after the meal, then that's a really good time for you to say that thank you as the newlyweds. And that kind of breaks up all the speaking so that it's not, you know, potentially six people in a row standing up and talking. You can kind of give people the meal to mingle and have some conversations and take a break from the speeches and then come in with cake cutting and say your thank you at the end of that. If you're doing your cake cutting before the main meal, which I know some people do, again, just taking the opportunity that everybody is seated and paying attention. If that's the case for you, You could still take a break after best man maid of honor and let people finish their meal. And then sometime towards the end of the meal before the dancing is announced, you could do that newlywed. Thank you. Stand up at that point. And the next thing for us to review today is I'm worried about inappropriate content. What should we do to censor someone who might be a little bit edgy and just kind of we're not quite sure what's going to fly out of their mouth after a few drinks? This all ties back to a point that I made from earlier in the show, and it was about the tone of the speech. Should you give direction on the tone? So I'm going to take this opportunity to go into more detail about that as it pertains to somebody who might have a potty mouth, somebody who is at high risk to commit political or and or religious faux pas in front of everybody. Somebody who maybe I think everyone knows someone who just gets a sick sense of glee from embarrassing other people. 
If this category of person applies to anybody speaking, I would encourage you to address it head on and explain to someone who you're nervous about, who you have these feelings about. Be very upfront and direct and just say that you want to avoid any hurt feelings. You want to not offend your grandma. You don't want to piss off your dad. And you would really appreciate it if they would keep their speech clean. So if you don't want them dropping the F-bomb, then tell them. If you don't want them talking about questionable things, then tell them. Every wedding is very different. I've been to weddings where if an F-bomb had been dropped, then the whole room would have absolutely freaked out. Like it would have been mortifying. And I've been to other weddings where I can't count on both hands the number of curse words in a speech. I've seen people completely embarrassed. I've seen people completely drunk. I I mean, (laughs) You've probably seen it too. So again, if there's somebody that you have asked to speak, but you're feeling at all nervous that they might kind of walk the line and tip over to one side and do something embarrassing, then be direct and explain that. And last point to wrap up here, if you have any doubt whatsoever that something really embarrassing and or hurtful might be said, if you still feel that way and you still feel like you cannot trust that they're going to respect your wishes, then they definitely do not deserve to speak at the wedding. Okay, this isn't something that you need to lay awake and lose sleep over. If you honestly can't take someone at their word that they're going to follow your wishes and that they're not going to get up there and completely go rogue on you, then explain to them in very clear terms. Again, be very direct and just let them know that you're not going to be having them do a speech. Is that an awkward conversation to have? Yes. Will they maybe be really pissed off? Maybe. But it's better than you, again, laying awake and losing sleep over it in the months and weeks leading up to the wedding. That's not something you need. So go ahead and take care of it in a very direct way and move on and don't have that weighing on your mind on the wedding day or in the days leading up to it. It's totally not worth it. With all of this talk about speeches, maybe you are wondering, what is too many speeches? How many people is too many? How much time is too long? If you're worried about this, then consider having some people speak at the rehearsal dinner instead of at the actual reception. Maybe you had planned that your maid of honor and two of your best friends since childhood and your partner's best man or maid of honor and two of their friends, like you want six friends to say things at the wedding. That's a lot of people, especially if you're also having your parents do the speech and you're doing a speech. Lots of people there. So I would encourage you to use the rehearsal dinner. Also, you have that time to have your loved ones stand up and share a few words So take advantage of that. And then another time slot that you can also put people into would be during the ceremony. So during your actual wedding ceremony, in the place of readings or poems, you can always have someone stand up and say a few words at that point as well. So that's another opportunity if you're feeling like it's just going to be too overwhelming and too much to do all in one seating at the dinner or at the meal during the reception. Those are some options for you. 
and what to do if someone who you've asked to speak is just absolutely terrified and would rather pass. How to handle this. This is another situation if we have stage fright, someone who's shy, someone who's introverted, that can be nerve wracking to stand up in front of potentially hundreds of people and talk. So be sensitive to this. And this is another situation where the rehearsal dinner night might be much more appropriate for that person to share their words. So the stage fright might be a little bit less. There would be fewer people at the rehearsal dinner in general than at the wedding reception. You have a more intimate setting. Do respect their wishes and don't take it personally. It would be very uncomfortable and just a really awkward situation to force someone into doing something that they absolutely don't want to do. So be respectful of everyone's personalities and everyone else's desires and kind of use that rehearsal dinner as an out if someone would feel more comfortable sharing at that point. I'm going to wrap up today's show with a few very quick words on the first dances. I did not feel like there's enough information here to warrant a completely separate show, but I did want to leave you with a few really quick nuggets of advice on dancing with your father-daughter dance, your mother-son dance, and your first dance as a couple. So traditionally, those are the people who would do a first dance. I would suggest, first of all, to spread those out throughout the evening rather than stringing them all back to back three at one time so that everyone isn't just circled around the dance floor watching dancing for three songs. That can be kind of long, three minute song, four minute song. You're looking at 10 to 15 minutes of just people standing and watching dances. And that's not to say that the first dances are not very meaningful. They definitely are. But I think it's a little bit more effective to spread them out over the course of the dancing rather than back to back to back. And then with that said, I would also suggest that if you're concerned about the length of the dances, an idea would be to combine the parents' dances. So father, daughter, mother, son, any variation of that that you are doing, combine those together and have the four of you dance all together. Agree on one song for the four of you or the six of you or however many of you are doing that dance. That's a good way to cut down on the time of the dances and the length of the dances. And of course, if dancing with parents is not high on your priority list, then completely skip that component. It's quote traditional, but if you're not feeling it and it's not important to you, then just go ahead and skip it. And while we're at it, if dancing with your new husband or wife in front of everybody is nerve wracking and feels like it would be really awkward and kind of embarrassing, then skip that too. There's no wedding law that says anyone needs to do a first dance in front of anybody. So if you're feeling uncomfortable about it, do go ahead and skip it. I'll say quick word of closing, the first dance with your new partner uh, as husband or wife is a really special moment for the two of you to be close and whispering and be uninterrupted and not have anyone else to talk to 
or look at or anywhere else to be. So that three to five minutes can be a really, really special time for the two of you to share. I know you're in front of everybody, but you're going to feel like you're in your own world. So that dance is definitely special. And if you're comfortable with it, enjoy it. And I'd encourage you to definitely include that traditional element. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Wedding Planning Podcast. I've been sharing my signature wedding planning advice on the podcast for eight years now. And for the first time ever, I've opened up my door to one-on-one wedding strategy calls. Whether you're looking for just one session to get your wedding plan started or a series of ongoing support throughout your engagement, I'm here for you. Get the details and book your first call today when you visit wedpodcast.com. We'll talk soon. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.